This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. On a very good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, wherever this fine and fabulous Foxborough fan-centric podcast finds you. Your old pals, Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart, bringing you the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things from WEEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Today, a little three-parter for you, a little something to send you off into the very good weekend the if i'm not if i'm not mistaken andrew the final weekend of february now we are but almost two weeks removed from the super bowl we'll do a little pats purry off the top the news notes and nuggets circulating around pats nation then we'll get into our continued series the positional off-seasonal reviews we're going to tackle the offensive line i see what you did there Guard yourself from that. We'll have to center things up to get that one going. Help. And finally, of course, the questions from the minds of the Mad Pats fans and more. A little mailbag at the end of the pod. All right. I just want to get right down. (laughs) Cut to the BS. No chaser. Straight up. Neat in the glass. Here we go. Dude. Pats fans in general and the media, other GMs, talent evaluators, everyone. But in specific. People that cover and or root for the New England Patriots football team need to get their ish together because it is, uh, to use triggering Wells Report phraseology, more probable than not that Michael McCorkle, a.k.a. Mac Jones, is going to be your starting quarterback for the 2023 season. And should he play very well, exceptionally well, to even pretty darn good, He'll likely be the quarterback the year after that. And then we can get into whether or not he'll be the quarterback after that. That'll be 2025. We will be lucky to still be here on this planet we call Earth by that point. And yet still, whether it's Tom Curran joining Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show, having to declare that over, quote, Robert Kraft's dead body, would he trade him this offseason? Whether it's the... The rankings, I know that got a little morbid for me as well, but still at the same time, I see the point that Tom E. was trying to hammer home. Then you got the QB rankings heading into 2023, provided by former Patriots quarterback, 2008 hero and current NBC Sports Boston analyst, Matt Castle, where he's ranked 25th of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, which was just borderline preposterous to me. And Andy, any tweet, any post, whether it's uh, the... Off-season quiz that we put up last night, a poll on the Rich Keefe Show at Rich Keefe Show. What is the biggest question heading into 2023? Can Mac Jones return to form or even excel past his 2021 stats was the winner of the poll question. But check the mentions on any Mac post. Half of the mentions from Pats fans following the done-dirty 2022 season are Mac is mid at best. Mac is trash. It should be zappy. Get Lamar. 
get Rodgers. Pats are going nowhere this season. Mac is toast. I don't want him as my quarterback. I I mean, I can't be- I still honestly cannot believe people will not give this guy. This is beyond Andy. This is now far beyond I'm still mad about Brady. This is flat out people just from the attitude to the stats to the poor performance, um, maybe just sort of uh, creating their own narrative and beyond. It seems like legitimately half of the people that cover, talk about, and root for the Patriots are already out on Mac Jones. What the F is he going to be able to do to win them back? Oh, I think, and, and we've talked a little bit about this, we're such simpletons as fans. Win three games in September, throw for 300 yards twice, have eight touchdowns and one pick, and all you frauds will be saying, I never doubted you, Mac. I I, I was with you all along. Like, that's how you guys are. That's how you people are. Um, I said, okay. I'm starting with you people. You're right. You you people. Right off I'm the starting. top. You're already you peopling us. Right out the gates. Um, right I out first, the gates. I'm going to say this, and, and you know I like to pat myself on the back, but I've been saying for like almost two short trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a short, luckily right here Um, for a couple of years. Like he's not likable. And I think that plays into it. His likability factor combined with everything you just mentioned, the year, the, the histrionics on the field, the production, everything. If he were more likable, I think he would have gotten a, a longer leash from fans. Ah, so maybe what I talked about earlier on towards later in the season. And of course, uh, our multiple appearances, our award-winning appearances, all over the WEI FM dial. Oh, tons! You haven't seen them? They're up in. Uh, they're in the mailroom. Just ask Rachel up uh, up Is front. I'd like my mom, my agent. It looks. Uh, uh, excuse me, conductor. Would you get the music to play, Andrew? Off. Thank you. Um, <laughs> First, I'd like to make a political statement. <laughs> part of what I, uh, I would like to speak. Uh, please welcome these displaced natives. Uh, See, part of what I remember when I was talking about, we, we I think maybe spent a radio segment or two, maybe a little pod piece, but I want to bring it back up. Obviously, the most important piece for Mac Jones getting his ish back together is to just play like work with Bill O'Brien, better weaponry, if you will, the offensive line. Everyone can do everything to bring the team together, to advance the cause forward, make Mac look better, et cetera. But it, it does, it got like, it's kind of important for Mac to go on a little bit of an image rehab tour. Mac needs to do a few things, I think, to sort of make himself seem a little more like a bullish. He can. I don't know that it matters all that much at this point, because if he does the likability tour in, let's just say, May, June and July and sucks mm-hmm. in September, it's irrelevant. And if he doesn't do the likability tour in May, June and July and comes out slinging in September, mm-hmm. it'll also be irrelevant because that's yeah. I always say like the Manny Ramirez thing, like man, everybody loved Manny. Why? Because he was going to hit you 35 bombs, knock in 120, and hit 315 while throwing old men to the ground. I, but listen, well before we found out about him pushing the traveling secretary to the ground in Houston, we all loved the fact that it was Manny being Manny. He was like an overgrown man child that had incredible hand-eye coordination, you know, soft wrists and insane power. God, I, that was fine. Like, he was a goofball. And then we sort of turned on him a little bit by the end there because the behavior, no matter mm-hmm. the production... Uh, became a you little turned on him when he left it you, you you kicked dirt on his grave on his way out the door because well, he kind of pulled a randy moss it was sort of like when moss was like i want a new deal trade me and they're like actually we've got these two great tight ends we are going to trade you and we're not going to miss a beat with manny ramirez it was like i want a new deal well we just paid you 160 million dollars we're not sure if we're going to do that yeah trade me okay and they got jason bay back and it wasn't 
that bad a deal at the time, and we missed Manny, but that's okay. But, but the with Mac, like Mac's not production. a goofball. Where he's like, yeah, production. No, he's a dink. That he he's kind of a dink. He he comes off as a dink. And I know yeah. people have rolled it into um, child of entitlement and grew up rich. And um, who was that 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 ripped him on TV? There was somebody. I don't know, but somebody kind of uh, alluded to his, you know, growing up um, a child of privilege and that mm-hmm. is sort of created this. Um, whereas tennis I think Brat. Mac, tennis brat narrative. Yeah. But that's actually that's how, what Mac says. Mac acknowledges that has talked about growing up in tennis in an individual sport where it's just you and how he had to break himself of some of those and probably still hasn't broken himself from some of the. Um, aspects of his character that were honed in that world. And, and I think that's that's true. Like, when you're the centerpiece, it's it's kind of like I have this theory that, you know, mm-hmm. only children are kind of dinks for the most part because they were the center of their world for so long. Yeah, Whereas, there wasn't anyone else to compete with them. It no. helps to actually have brothers and Ab- sisters. And then the most likable people often have brothers and sisters that fought for everything debated everything like it just creates a more normalized human being because the world is not all about you sooner or later you find that out but if you're an only child you don't find it out until you're like 24 and out in the real world whereas you know mac is learning on the fly here as the quarterback but i I still go back to it's just production it is apps now i think there's this group think snowballing nature to it as well. Like it's become mm-hmm. popular to rip Mac. It's pr- become popular to pile on Mac. I think it's la- honestly, I think it's lazy. I think it's but just the same the way world. it was lazy to pile on Patricia last season. Well, but it's lazy in both directions. It's like, as soon as somebody says, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, he's the greatest coach of all time. Nobody has the balls to say, well, is he really? Or is he the way? Like, it's just, it, it becomes the accepted group think Mm -hmm. narrative of the time and i think that's happened with mac because i did tv last night and we kind of went through the quarterback rankings and i ended up with nine minutes in humble brag about television okay thank you just telling you just telling you the facts um i was on the radio good for both of us we we ended up with him at like 15 and that mac is the 15th ranked quarterback yeah it, it was a um as is typical with me it was a segment that was a little all over the map so um but it, it you don't say really yeah, it happens. You don't really stay. You know what, Andy? I like to think whenever you do television or radio, of course, you like to think of yourself as the the true mastermind and brains behind the entire operation. Yeah, uh, energy, oh, okay. yeah, and yeah. good for you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I don't like. I don't usually think of it like you're often uh, want to uh, critique my hosting or my moving yeah. along narratives, taking everything in there. And no, of course not. No, don't even get into the whole like, hey, you used to call yourself a comedian. Be that as it may, it's not so much that you ever are quote on the rails. I think of your narratives and diatribes more as like a bumper car track like there's a fixed set of guardrails to prevent you from either crashing into the infield or careening off into the general population and inflicting mass damage and casualties and that's okay because we have set the parameters you can go this way you can go that way you can kind of careen all over so long as you stay on the track that's how i like to look at it and i think that's why by and large our styles professionally uh mingle nicely here on the podcast now, as for those rankings, just to provide a little contextual healing for the listenership right here, Matt Castle, uh, uh, in these rankings, put out his top 32 quarterbacks and had Matt, Ca- uh, excuse me, Mac Jones at 25th out of 32 heading into the 2023 season. To me, that's too, that's too low, but I'm not saying like, put him in the top 10, he's top 12. 15 to 18 currently, 
best case scenario, he may finish anywhere from 10 to 12 in the where Kirk Cousins is ranked uh, neighborhood, if you will. But these rankings basically seem to be based off of the statisticals of 2022 because following Mac Jones at 26 was Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. Feel how you will about his off-field antics and what, uh, the, wh however far he cranked up the creepo meter. But Deshaun Watson ain't no way he's the 26th best quarterback in the NFL. No, he's top five when he's right and healthy and not rusty. And and if you're just going on big picture, um, the the thing is, you people got all excited when Mac was a top 100 NFL player a year ago, and all the adulation that came his way. That he was too high. He was too high then, and he's too low now. So if you average out the two years, he probably gets to be where he probably should be, as you said, in that 15, 18 range, something in there. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing I, I will state for a fact, if you firmly believe Mac is the 25th best quarterback in the National Football League, mm -hmm. he's, not a, he's not a starting quarterback. He's a guy you're looking to replace right now. Because I believe you have to be in the top 20. The, the bottom 10 to 12 are teams that just have a guy they're sending out there to take the ball, drop back and throw while they are looking to find the next guy. You cannot be the truly, because you know my old school saying, there's starting quarterbacks and guys who start games, and they're not the same thing. And if you're 25th in the NFL, you're just a guy starting games. You're already done. I don't believe that in Mac. I still think there is a chance he's a middling, mediocre, average, slightly above average starting quarterback in the NFL. So it was it was too low. The list was all over the map for a variety mm, all of over the map. And it's it, kind it of just, irrelevant. It's it's off-season sure. talking points. It's good for radio and podcasts. Who really gives a rat's katukas where Matt Castle ranks Mac mm -hmm. Jones? Just like who really cares where Fitzy and Hart rank Mac Jones? Like I think a irrelevant. lot of people that make this their number one destination for high quality off-season pa uh, Patriots dialogue, analysis, and conversation care where we rank Mac Jones. I don't okay. particularly have a ranking. I don't I don't plan on making an official ranking anytime soon. I'd rather see I, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna start formulating real projections after free agency, after any possible trades, and of course after the NFL draft. Uh one more little nugget here in our opening Pat's Puri of grab bag style uh Foxborough variety. And that would be the news that came out Wednesday evening. According to Tom Pelissero, does a fabulous job for the Niffle Network, I believe it's called. Uh, Matt Patricia became the third gentleman to interview for defensive coordinator of the Denver football Broncos following Vance having the time of his life. Joseph, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, no less. And of course, uh, the classy Freddie Blassie of the NFL, Rex Ryan. Um, I, I used to think that I wanted Rex Ryan to get the job the most so I could get him back in the NFL. We could get the theater. We could get the villainy and all that jazz. How badly do you want Matt Patricia to be the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos, Andy? Um, well, my first two reactions to this there. So Denver is definitely continuing my, my Washington Dan Snyder comparison. They're, they're only interviewing ex head coaches, big name guys for coordinator roles. Like they're putting together. I'm intrigued to see what they try to do personnel wise as they move all, forward. It's an all. It's like an old fashioned. It's like an all star team from five years ago. Absolutely, and it's it's the Washington way, and it didn't work for oh. them. And I'm not sure it'll work for Denver. Second, I don't know if it's a real interview or not because Sean Payton is a friend of Belichick, and okay. so I don't know if this is just a 
toss my guy a bone, get his name out there, get mm-hmm. him, uh, keep his name in more positive. Oh, oh, get his name back to the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Defense. Cause I asked him last season. So could you do me a solid yeah. and help repair his image? Okay. Absolutely. Now maybe he's a legitimate candidate because he and Rex Ryan both have not coached defense for a while. I find that interesting. No. Rex Ryan, it's been five. Is it five no, years? he got, he got canned from uh, Buffalo. I want to say in 2017. So yeah, five years since mm-hmm. he has been a coach. Matt Patricia has been a coach, but I don't know exactly what he's been doing the last couple of years. It has not been coordinating a defense. Mm-hmm. Certainly last year it was coordinating a horrific offense. So both are kind of um, having to knock the rust off if they get the job. But my gut tells me this is a a, a favor from Sean Payton to get to start the rehab process of Matt Patricia because he's too young, right? He's not ready to just go off into the sunset. He's not. He's our age, for God's sake, right? Like he clearly still wants to coach somewhere somehow. And I think this is a start of bringing some legitimate right now. He's kind of what he wore on his shirt, getting off that Super Bowl. He's kind of a clown. And I think he has seen that way and he has to start to build some credibility. I think this is the, a really good head coach in Denver, mm-hmm. building a staff interviewed him. Oh, Oh, so Patricia's back in the conversation in the defensive mix. I think this helps him. And I think that's what this is about. Or maybe he could contact, because I'm sure he can get the numbers from the secret Foxborough Rolodex, he could contact Matt Walsh or Dorito Dink and go into the Patriots scapegoat relocation program. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's what he wants to do at this point. <laughs> I don't think that's what he's got in mind. Uh, what we want to do is continue to grow this fabulous Foxborough community of Patriots Talk and Beyond. Give us a follow at Six Rings Pod. Shout at us anytime you got questions, comments, critiques, and more at FitzyGFY and at Jumbo Hart. Tell your friends Six Rings Pod is here to stay. Multiple episodes all off season long. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Continuing on, Andy, it's time for the latest installment of the Six Rings Positional Off-Seasonal Analysis Review segment portion of the program. program Tighten it up. Program. Program. <laughs> We now move on. Last episode, of course, we talked about safeties, a sneaky or maybe even not so sneaky important part, not just of the defense, but the New England Patriots overall. Will they address it in the draft? Some think that they maybe should go get another one early on. What's DMAC going to do? Will they sign Duggar and beyond? A high-level interest position for sure. We now land on the position I believe to be the most important on the 2023 Patriots. They should address it in free agency. They need to address it in the draft, and they need to solidify this position first and foremost in Foxborough offensive line, the bro line, Andy. Just give me your opening thoughts about how the Patriots, having uh, 
three tackles. They let's refresh for the audience. They have some starting guards in place with Michael Wenyu, PFF favorite, second mm. now to be second year, last year's first round pick that shocked the world. Cole Strange at left, <laughs> left <Six> guard. <laughs> you got David Andrews up the gut. Now, David Andrews, I gotta tell you, like the, the guy, it still plays at a very high level when healthy, but unfortunately, the one that they know and love as Bear. He's had a number of injuries, including missing the 2019 season with the blood clots in his lungs. Last year, that horrific concussion that he got dinged up with by that cheap shot by former Patriot Chief Jet Mike Pinnell in the Bears game. Oh, that Monday night was just, that's what threw the season, if any. Well, no, they threw it when they brought in Patricia Judge. But So, you know, you could probably use some depth there. You have a couple of guards uh, on your practice squad that you drafted in later rounds last year, Cody Russi. Uh, the other gentleman from LSU, whose name I'm forgetting right now. That's okay. And then of course, it in your mind, Jason Hines. Thank you. And then of course, to the tackles we go, there are now three on the roster. Trent Brown, the second year of his two year, $20 million deal. Stuba, my guy from Michigan, who was a second team, all pro his senior season, but then came in with a non-football related, non, non-draft injury. However you call it. What are those NFIs? NFI. NFI. Not NIL or NFTs. No. NFI. No, 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 no. And you can GFY. Uh, he came in last year with that. Oh. <laughs> oh. Stuber could factor into the equation. Of course, the Patriots just signed Connor McDermott. Oh, played Connor. six games last year. Connor to a two year, $3.6 million deal for depth. Could he actually uh, factor into the starting equation? Who knows? So they seem to be prioritizing it across the board, but I still think they have a long way to go. Andy, let's rebuild this bro line. Let's talk about our level of interest. Uh, which way do you want to attack this first? Would you prefer the Patriots get after it in free agency, or would you rather see them draft some young studs? Um, see, I've gone a couple different ways in this, but um, if the the more recent plan that I've come up with and concocted in my head is if oh. you can draft a receiver at 14, spend mm -hmm. your money on a tackle because the tackle market in free agency is more impressive, is deeper. There's more opportunities, whether it's Orlando yes. Brown, McGlinchey, uh, Taylor, like there's, you have, you can choose, you, you have options. Whereas why would receiver, be Juwan Taylor from yes. uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars folks. You have options there. So um, that might be a better route to spend your money uh, and get return on investment there. So I, I've kind of talked myself into that. Now I think the McDermott signing is not going to you know excite people, but it was sneaky good. It, at worst, it's a third tackle. It's a guy that solidified what mm -hmm. if Matt Patricia didn't exist, if Joe Judge didn't exist, the offensive line ineptitude would probably have been the story of the the 2022 Patriots because they were bad. Again, sweat like this is the this is the rug of discourse, news, and takes, and it was swept underneath there. I mean, so much so like it's abandoned, kind of like he had to abandon the line and leave it in the hands of Bill Yates because the offense was in such turmoil. By the halfway mark of the season, so you've brought now in. Now we got a coach. Now we got a real coach. Well, maybe I don't know if he's good. I mean, some people hate him in Pittsburgh and thought he sucked. Some people thought he was good. We'll see where that right. plays out. But you have an expert in the field who you are paying highly in your own dollars. So you believe Adrian Clem is a good offensive line coach. I am hopeful as a uh, really diehard Dante Scarnecchi, a guy that he's going to bring some of the scar days back to new England, what he learned mm -hmm. when he played for scar and all that. Um, so I think that's a good first step. I think McDermott's a good second step, but now you have a big third step. You need to add a starting caliber tackle because 
I'm not sold on Trent Brown. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know how he went from flexing over piles against the Browns to like, I don't really want to be out here, so I'm not going to block the guy I'm supposed to block on this play. Like, Was he more of a zappy than a Mac guy because he did his best work in the Green Bay and the Cleveland game? I, it's it's so hard to describe. Kept, remember in the in the Green Bay game, he kept calling yeah. for them to run behind him. He Absolutely, like, you see a motivated Trent Brown, and you're like, "There's no two men that can stop this guy." But and then in another game, he's like, gets out there against Buffalo, and he's kind of sick, and he can't even move, and he's just letting he's just a full human turnstile. But that's who he's been his entire life. I mean, that's why the 49ers traded him. That's why the Raiders mm-hmm. didn't get return on their investment out there. Dante Scarnecchia got the best and the most out of him. His first swing through New England. I think you saw the real Trent Brown this year, who is up, who is down, who is dominant, who is getting dominated, the whole thing. And in the offseason last year, I mean, I know he did a little bit of a Marshall Newhouse impersonation at times last year, which was pretty rough. But in, you know, at, at last offseason, he went on multiple podcasts, like he was on Pardon My Take and Beyond, talking about how much he loves Belichick, what a cool guy he is, how much he loves being a Patriot. And then we saw an unusual pattern of behavior, or rather, excuse me, maybe a more normalized pattern of behavior, but less of the consistent production from Trent Brown. Do you believe at least one starting tackle for the New England Patriots this season is already on the roster? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Has to be. Has to be. I don't think you can. I don't think it's feasible to do what they need to do overall as a team and expect yourself to go out and find two starting tackles. Sure, if they wanted to. They could use the 14th pick in the draft on a tackle, sign McGlinchey Mm -hmm. for $80 million and say, we are set at the tackle spot for the next five to eight years. I don't think they'll do that. I think you will get one investment in a tackle, whether that's Mm -hmm. early in the draft or early in free agency. And then Trent Brown, maybe he moves to right tackle where he has maybe been more comfortable, feels like he's being paid to play that position, Mm -hmm. whatever goes into that. You have Connor McDermott. I'm intrigued like you are by Stuber. At the very least, you're bringing some competition. If you bring in one new guy, that means you have four tackles that in training camp, the first group and the second group, you're like, okay, these guys could play for the team this year. These guys There's are com- Yes, yes, exactly. That, you're not signing Marcus Cannon out of retirement to try to fill a void in the middle of the year, things of that nature. Yeah. And we should mention the free agents, Isaiah Wynn, he gone, as Rich Keefe liked to say. I'm assuming Cannon just goes back into retirement, end of career, kind of. Thank you for your attempted second service, but we're good here. Uh, and then Ferentz and Yadni Kajust, who <laughs> was part of the debacle at right tackle for a while there. Um, he's a guy that wouldn't stun me if they, if he gets no interest, they re-sign at just a bare minimum camp body level. He'll, I guarantee you, he will be the next Cameron Fleming. He'll go someplace. He won't play Probably. at that high a level, though. He'll be with the Texans or the Raiders within two months' time. Probably. That's my, um, that's my best guess. That's my so, best guess. And I'd like to also point out, Andy, for those that want to, that the, for those out there, the diehards, the wonks, the super fans that want the Patriots, like I do, to address offensive tackle in the draft. Uh, a nice little piece Matt Miller put out. It's ESPN Plus content, but I'm happy to share it with you here. He did a nice little jam. 2023 NFL draft. Every prospect with a first round grade plus comps. So if we click on offensive tackle, he has three that are worthy of being drafted in the first round. At number eight overall, he's got Peter Skaronsky, mm-hmm. 6'4, 315 pounds out of Northwestern. Plays very violently, powerhouse blocker in run and pass game. Definite year one starter right out the gate. 14th overall, Broderick Jones, 14th overall. I know a team that's got the 14th overall pick. 
a little raw, definitely round one caliber. Zero sacks allowed for Georgia last year. However, I think people have first round tackle Isaiah Winfear. And so I can understand why Pats fans would be a little hesitant to hear that name called out. And then 16th overall, Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, had 6'6", 310, still ironing out technique. Miller says his ceiling is potentially the best of any of the linemen. Any That's kind of who I want. Yeah. Paris I Johnson? Want, yeah. Uh, I'm, I like a big Johnson on my offensive line. So I, uh, no, I, I, I'm intrigued by the upside that he brings to the table. What are you laughing at? Where did Fitzy go? He fell right out of the box of the YouTube recording. <laughs> uh, any, I, uh, I, mean, I haven't uh, watched any any tape yet, uh, so I will watch these guys and maybe I'll. Mm -hmm. But just sort of on reputation and what I've read of the the three of them, Johnson I find really intriguing. Mm -hmm. um, he has sort of the prototypical like six six, the length, the size. I just Miller's like comp was Terran Armstead, the highly compensated left tackle on Miami who used to be with the Noal and Saints. Right. So you're talking about potentially just a building block. And I, I like that uh, idea. Um, the Jones thing, it's not fair to him. He has no tie to Isaiah Wynn. But Zero. He, he has the logo, the the school, the the idea. They're tied in people's minds. Like, yep. yep. Can't help so it. I, I don't. And he's a little shorter. I know I got into a little kerfuffle with people on Twitter because some of the scouts have said he might be a little undersized. And I joked like, oh, an undersized tackle out of Georgia. What, what else could the Patriots hope for in the draft? Mm -hmm. um, but the, they're all well thought of. And, and that's they're all, from what I see, almost unanimously considered top half of the first round picks. Right. You're at 16 mm -hmm. for the third one on Miller's list. You know, Zay Flowers, for example, people are pushing him up the draft boards. I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where he's considered universally a top half of the first round prospect. You, mm -hmm. I don't think you can miss on this pick. I don't think you can take chances. So the offensive line is probably the safer route with these these three guys. And I, it's weird because I think fans have accepted that. In some years, I think tackle would be like, oh, what are you doing? I think some fans have really embraced the idea that taking a tackle at 14 would be the fun decision, the right decision, the best decision. And I that's, love it. That's interesting. That's interesting. Oh, unsexy is the new, is the new fabulous and fun for the Foxborough faithful. Okay. Let's just, let's imagine ready, Andy, let's go down your road real quick. As we look at the line, there are no guards or interior linemen that Matt Miller gave a first round grade to. And we feel yeah. like the interior of the line is in much better shape than the outside tackle. Well, the uh, one problem is on when is going to look to get paid after this year. So, Unless he's willing to you take dealt a, away freaking Shaq Mason, you're gonna have to pay somebody at some point. I'm just saying he's gonna have to be paid after this year. Oh, yeah. And as you said, I'm sure his agent is trumpeting all these PFF grades and all these mm -hmm. reports that say mm -hmm. he's so good, trying to fluff up his contract. I'm not I'm sure on when it's a guy that's gonna just take the uh, early Patriot extension offer and say, yeah, yeah, I like it here. I want to stay here for. 62% of my market value or whatever right. it means. Well, he's not going to get paid like Joe Tooney either. So, um, we'll no, see but he's going to get paid. He's going to, he definitely should get paid. They should address that sooner than later as well. Let's just say the Patriots do something like they, okay. So you have Trent Brown signed for one more season. You send him back to right tackle. Hmm. You want to find a left tackle for this season and maybe McDermott's your swing. And now if Stuber's healthy, you treat him like you did Nate Solder in 2011, which is draft him behind Matt Light, give him a year to really learn healthy on the fly, digest the playbook, get a, get his feet wet, get a little taste of the NFL action. 
because he couldn't do Squatola last season. All right, so let's let's address it by signing or trading for somebody. Uh, Juwan Taylor, like we mentioned, uh, right tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars last season, plays at a high level, could definitely get himself paid, probably a four-year, $60 million deal. That's reasonably palatable for a starting tackle in the NFL. Or do you potentially kick the tires on Taylor Luan, who was just released from the Tennessee Titans? When he plays and he's healthy, he can play at a very high level. When not, and he has been injured quite a bit over the last couple seasons, he's a hot mess. Yeah, hurt and old and cheaper is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for swing for the fences, solidify the line so you can just say, okay, that's good. Now I can turn my attention mm -hmm. elsewhere, Mac, the passing game, everything else. No, I – Orlando Brown, I don't know what he's going to get paid, but as a left tackle who is a left tackle for the Super Bowl champions, as a left tackle mm -hmm. for – you know, Patrick Mahomes. I like the idea of Orlando Brown moving Trent Brown back to the right side. You got McDermott as your swing. Um, because if if you leave Trent Brown at the left tackle spot, you're looking for a left tackle still for next year. Like you haven't long-term solidified it. Whereas if you sign Orlando Brown for a five-year deal, you mm. theoretically are okay at left tackle for a while now. And Andy, I'd like to point out to the listenership, he is only 26 years old. Oh, yeah. He's so young. he will be 27 by the time the 2023 season starts. So if you sign him to a five year, let's say Trent Williams esque mega deal, five years, $100 million. To me, it is a worthy investment. Uh, he has, last year, he started all 17 games, was an absolute hoss over there on the high, on the underrated Kansas City line. I mean, geez, with Tooney and Orlando Brown on the left side, no wonder why Patrick Mahomes didn't have to worry about his blind side much of last season. I think I think it's worth it. I 100%. Yeah, I would I, love to see the Patriots throw a BOC bag of cash. BOB convinces BFB, Bill O'Brien, Bill friggin' Belichick to throw a BOC bag of cash at OBJ, Orlando Brown Jr. You lock up the left tackle. And then in the draft, you know what you do, Andy? Let's get freaky. You want to trade for T. Higgins. I want Jackson Smith Nagiba at, uh, from Ohio State. Well, I've actually um, sort of boy, trended play. Uh, on TV last night. They they called it a change of heart. Um, put that on the Chiron. But uh, I, I've kind of with the the available options in free agency and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I do actually think if you're trying to fill as many holes as possible, the trade for T. Higgins doesn't work for the here and now and may not nope. take you where you need to go. So I have actually trended toward wide receiver at 14. Mm. sign a tackle because they are available on the open market. And then if you really want to get sneaky, that fourth round pick that you'd have to throw in to get T Higgins before you hand him a hundred million dollars, use one of those mid round picks on a trade for Deandre Hopkins. So now you add a young receiver, uh, you add an old receiver, you add a tackle. Things are, I love it when a plan comes together, says the a team. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, don't do any more because we'll probably have to pay for the rights of the theme if you go like eight notes in. <laughs> no, no, I'm like Vanilla Ice. I added a bum. Oh, there bum, you go. Bum, 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 exactly. bum, bum. Right. Good. All right. We'll have a. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure. Hopefully, uh, YouTube doesn't flag this because <laughs> all the bots and the AIs are listening. That's a great plan. Love that. Lo absolutely. I'm. I'm, I'm starting to believe that now. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Now, and go it, sign it a tackle. Doable. Go find me somebody who's proven. Address one of your two greatest needs, tackle or receiver, with a big fat bag of cash and a deal, and then go top shelf in the first round. Don't overthink it. 
and solidify solidify two positions of need. I'm going to give offensive line a a nine once again. Uh, my interest level on in the offensive line, considering the need for it, this is where you fortify. This is the fundamental building block of a successful football team, or at least an offense that needs to return to respectability, return to form, and give a quarterback in desperate need of redemption a chance. Nine out of ten for me on the line. Yeah, I am going to go nine point five over uh, me. Wow. Yeah, I, I think this is a huge, huge uh, time, position, opportunity for the Patriots. And, you know, we often talk about Belichick going after need, whether it's free agency, like they need something, he goes and gets it. Draft needs something, he targets it, goes to get it, but only when it's available, right? He doesn't force the issue. I really mm -hmm. need X, but only Y is available. He won't do that because bad teams do that. And for the most part, he doesn't. Maybe he did that with John o. Smith, separate issue. Um, but it's available. Like, you don't have to be crazy to think he can go get a tackle here. And when you have the money, the guys are available. Pounce Bill Belichick. You have options. And you're not going to get into a bidding war, I don't think, because there are multiple options. It's not like there's only one. If there was one tackle available and everybody else sucked, I think that drives the price up. But I think some teams will say, well, McGlinchey's not bad or Taylor's not bad or whatever. Like, there's options. So go get a tackle. So I'm putting it at 9.5. I think it starts your offseason. And it could give us, because free agency starts on March 13th, 14th, mm -hmm. whatever it is That is there. correct. The tampering will begin three to five yes. to ten days prior. Or, or, now. Uh, or now. Right now. Actually, right now. They are using uh, bandwidth elsewhere on the internet and on the Zooms to talk about players that are not yet available. Um, but it'll also give us some insight maybe into the draft. Okay, if they go sign a tackle, I think we start fixating on cornerback wide receiver near the top of the draft, right? It, it might give mm -hmm. us an idea of how they're stacking the offseason. So I'm very excited. I think they um, are are fixating on a, fixing a lot of things, and the offensive line is one of them. Clem, McDermott. Next in line is the starter, the big piece, the, the big kahuna, Orlando Brown. And correct me if I'm wrong, Fitzy. Orlando mm -hmm. Brown's dad played for Bill in Cleveland, right? I believe that is correct, sir. So Ooh, family, we have ties. A leg oh, family ties with a legacy connection. That would be spectacular. Give him the money, Bill. Pay that man his money. I would love to see it. How do you rank the offensive line in terms of your level of interest, Pats fans, in the offseason? Do you prioritize it as highly as we do with a 9 and a 9.5? Let us know at Six Rings Pod at Fitzy GFY at Jumbo Heart. We'll be back next week with two more offseasonal positional previews as well. Going to be tough to top the offensive line. We'll see when we trot out some other positions, and we're going to keep it a mystery just to keep you guys on your toes and keep guessing. That's why you keep coming back to at Six Rings Pod. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's wrap it up with a little check in the old parcel post, Pat's parcels, mailbag, questions from the Foxborough faithful, the mad fans of Patriots Nation, Andy. And we begin, we have some Facebook and Twitter questions. Patrick Williams asks, gentlemen, how confident are you that talent will come through the draft 
given the hit or miss nature of the last few drafts? Or will you do you believe the most impactful players will come via trade and free agency this offseason? I think the most impactful players will come in free agency. Um, mm. They should, because if you spend the kind of money I think they're going to spend on at least one or two, you should expect, as Robert Kraft uses the phrase, return on investment right away. Mm -hmm. There should not be a, a developmental. Roy. Yeah, there should be no developmental period or um, acclimation period beyond a week or two, whatever it may be. So I, I, I would say free agency or trade. But that said, the 14th pick, whoever it is, assuming they make it, I guess they could trade down. But assuming they make it. Don't F it up. Don't F it. And he better be out there and contributing and playing that like. The new NFL yeah. means players play faster, have more early impact in their careers. It's part of the way business is done. So 14 better contribute too. I like the drafts of the past two seasons. Uh, I heralded what a good draft they had last year when all 10 players selected in the 2022 draft played in the Cleveland game. Then we had some issues with your Stranges and Thorntons and Strongs and Harrises and beyond as the season progressed. I was roundly critiqued on the website, the broadcast waves by you, of course, present company included. <laughs> I would like to point out, as I did previously, that the Kansas City Chiefs probably had one of the top drafts last year, and that contributed significantly to their ability to get back to the top of the mountain with safeties and receivers and running backs, people with immediate oh impact. Oh, my. Uh, and the Pats need to do just that as well. I'm with you, because if Robert Kraft is upset about the fact that they haven't won a playoff game in now four seasons, and they've had several years to inject youth. I'm sorry, did you say youths? To put plenty of youths on both sides of the football. Bill, go spend money the right way. Don't have one of your giant splashy off seasons where you overpay for tight ends and receivers and every other position. Go get one or two guys that can make a difference right now on this football team. Get your ass back in the playoffs, and let's see what happens. So I'm with you. I think the more impactful players will come this year via free agency. At Uncle Buck 617 Quick one. Is Ramondre Stevenson already a top 10 running back in the NFL? Yes. Without having actually looked at the list to make sure mm -hmm. he's not like 12. But I mean, he's a top 10 running back. Even if he's 12, he's a top 10 running back. I'm, I'll say it that way. He is that good, that impactful, um, both as a runner and a receiver. Now, I think there could be a debate as to how much you want to use him in that way next year if you really want to overload the plate and have him catch 60 to 70 balls while also mm -hmm. being the lead back and which one of the two youngsters is better. So mm -hmm. if Kevin Harris is the better second year running back, then I think Ramondre takes a few carries away from sort of the early down lead back work and trends towards pass catcher. If mm -hmm. Pierre Strong is the guy that has the big off season who takes that next leap, then maybe Ramondre stays more as the lead back, the power back, the, the horse and maybe Pierre Strong takes some of those third down change of pace type roles. But I don't know. I find it hard to believe I would list 10 running backs that I'd rather have than Ramondre Stevenson. Valst, you were just uh, Foxborough filibustering there. I just ran through a bunch of running backs uh, just in the AFC alone. I can't think of but maybe two or three I would mention in the same conversation. Now, I would also say the modern NFL Running backs change very quickly, the top running mm -hmm. backs for the most part. But whether it's injuries and guys miss a year mm -hmm. or two, you know, the, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, the Saquon Barkley's who have been great, injured and gone, great again. Like they, they kind of ride that zigzag roller coaster, which is why you get very, which is why you hesitate about signing them to long term deals, which is what Saquon Barkley is facing right now in a pivotal offseason for the football giants. Yeah, I um, 
I would never, or I've come close to the point where I would not sign a running back to any sort mm-hmm. of a big, I would still draft one high. I know a lot of people would say I wouldn't even draft one. I would still draft one high. Cause I actually think, you know, as, as we talk about value on contracts, if you get a running back for the first five years, that's actually what you want. And then you kick them to the curb, right? Yep. And, and you then, let someone else pay him. Thank you very much for your service. Off into right? that good DeMarco Murray night. Exactly. Uh, back to the Facebook we go. Will Bailey Zappi get a chance to compete for the starting job, or should I just look at him as the backup this season? That's Sean Cotter. Sean Cotter. Not Sean Carter, Jay-Z. Sean Cotter on Facebook. I would, uh, if it was Sean Carter, I would have questions for him about his uh, family. All right. Okay. Anyway, um, I would look at, in my opinion, Bailey Zappi as the backup. I know we had the Burt Bria report that they don't see much of a difference or much of a mm-hmm. gap between Mac and Zappi. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I'd prefer to believe what Bill Belichick was selling, Robert Kraft was selling last offseason about how good Mac was, franchise QB, how the leaps he had made in his second year. We've seen the workout videos he should be making. Well, mm-hmm. I don't even know if he's going to make leaps because I don't even know what he was doing when he was leaning against the wall and lifting his leg like a dog I, urinating I, I, on a I, fire hydrant. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, Mac is the starter in my mind. I, yeah. I don't know if I would go the over my dead body route that Tom mm-hmm. Curran went, um, but Mac is the starter. Agreed. I, I would take it would take a massive I can, more regression from Mac Jones uh, and it would take a massive uh, not growth spurt, but just huge levels of progress for Bailey Zappi. And he would just every day from late May until late August would have to honestly turn heads, impress and just flat out outplay Mac Jones. And if Mac every Jones day. has any every day, legitimately Agreed. every day for four straight months. Agreed. And if Mac Jones has the tennis brat level of compete the psycho killer Keska say that he said that makes him worthy of starting in the NFL and worthy of the affection and admiration of Patriots fans, then he should be able to beat out Bailey Zappi. And if he gets beat out by Bailey Zappi, then fare thee well. Thanks for the effort. And can I return my kids Mac Jones Jersey, or maybe I'll have to tape a Garoppolo on there or something, but I, I see him as this backup this season. It would take a Herculean effort by Zappi to beat out Mac real quick. Back are to, we just closing yeah. the door on Brian Hoyer? Hoyer's still under contract, has guaranteed, I think it's like one point something guaranteed money. Is Brian Hoyer on the roster? Is he not on the roster? What, what, what's your projection for Brian, the old man Hoyer? I do not believe Brian Hoyer will be on the roster this season. Okay. I don't I don't see any need to carry Hoyer. I mean, you do you really want, I mean, I know you had to play your third quarterback in just the fourth game last season, but holy smoke, do you want Brian Hoyer on the roster eating up a million and a half dollars? I love the quarterback coaching. I love the offensive. Maybe Billy O'Brien will say like, hey, I need this guy around, Bill, but really? Well, I don't, and and you don't need him on the roster. I don't think you're going to lose him. He's not going to sign with anybody. So he might be on the practice squad. He might be on the practice squad that isn't really the practice squad of people that stay living in Foxborough, even though when they're not on the roster mm-hmm. and are expected to come mm-hmm. back kind of role. Um, but, I mean, you, you not only point out the Patriots, you used your third quarterback in the fourth week. The NFL started did it reach 70 last year? 70 starting quarterbacks. It was like 69 or 70 starting quarterbacks. Yeah, Miami would like to talk to us about this. The San Francisco 49ers have just right. entered the chat. So okay. All right. Maybe. I'd like to keep him loosely in the family, ready to go. Yeah. Even though I, I'm not, I don't think he's good, but at least he can right. go out there and hopefully. You know, me. like how how do you feel about living in a um subsidized apartment courtesy Robert Kraft in the Franklin Norton Norwood Attleboro area, Brian? It's not an apartment formerly owned by Aaron Hernandez, is it? All right, our next question. We move on to Twitter at Donald3324. 
Do you see the Patriots going after wide receiver one via free agency or the draft, or will we do a Bill O'Brien style double tight end Smith Henry as the focal point of the offense, and then maybe give Kendrick Bourne more time in the slot? Are we still doing this double tight end that includes Smith thing? Mm-hmm. No, we're not. Yeah, people see, I'm telling you, like there's that popular narrative, the double tight end because of what happened in 2011 with the universal talents of Gronk and Hernandez. I can't say this enough. Billy O'Brien, I love him. He's not a miracle worker. No one's gotten anything out of John o. Smith. No one ever will. I can't even spend any more time on it. I, can't, I just can't. I can't. I mean... Okay. I'd love to see. I'd love to see him. I would love to see John o. Smith have his best season as a Patriot. I would love to see Hunter Henry get back to 2021 levels, if not maybe even like 2017 Chargers levels this year with the Patriots. We'll see. I believe all. I believe everyone who catches passes, everyone who throws footballs, and everyone who runs footballs will see their stats surpass the paltry statisticals of 2022. But like you said, the guy's not a damn miracle worker. Come on. Last one, back to Facebook, Todd Nirenberg. Hey, with Billy O back on board, have we seen the end of relying on the screen pass as the primary form of advancing the ball? As the primary form, probably, but I would not discount it. The screen pass has been a staple of the Patriots offense for 20 Forever. plus years. Yeah, yeah. Since, since it became the modern Patriots offense. So I think it will not be as predictable. It will not be as um, ineffective, uh, quizzical. But you will still see the screen pass as a um, as a decent portion of the Patriot offense, just like it was under McDaniel's, O'Brien, Weiss, everyone else. Um, so yeah, don't don't kick it to the curb. Just maybe utilize it in a more functional fashion. I I agree. I just don't think you're gonna the quick game will not be what they default to on a regular basis. You will not be hearing any other defensive or offensive coordinators saying, "Oh, it looks like an offense that's being called by a defensive coordinator." Correct. But I will just continue to beat this drum. The I think that Marcus Jones should be on offense full time drum. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to see him with screen passes in his hands. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we, we want to get rid of those. And can I can I also point out, uh, Andy, when you when you think of Westwell, or just as far as like the effectiveness of the short game, if you will. When we think Bill O'Brien on the offense, everyone goes to the two tight end set. Everyone thinks prime Gronk and these the. the uh, offensive football weaponry of Aaron Hernandez, 2011, one of Brady's best seasons, Woodhead, Ben Jarvis. What year did Wes Welker have his best season as a pro football receiver? Um, I Is this a rhetorical question? Or no, it's not. 2011. Yeah, I thought it was 2011, but I wasn't sure. He was an absolute monster that season. I think you think 2007, he burst onto the scene. Yeah, he also had a massive season that year. He had Wes a lot of Welker, He did. Again, maybe the most underrated former New England, like, Patriot of all time. Honestly, I don't think we can ever stay, overstate how good Wes Welker was in the six seasons he played for the Patriots. He was a pro bowler all those seasons. He was first-team all-pro or second-team all-pro veritably every season. He was unstoppable. You know he is the root of Foxborough frauds. I To me, he's the perfect example Ooh. of somebody you people turned on who gave everything he had to you for an extended mm -hmm. period and was truly elite. And you people turned on him because of Edelman or because he left or because oh, of the contentious nature the, of his relationship kind of with Belichick, thing. the contentious nature, the, the fact that Edelman replaced him and was clutch admittedly at times, but also 
for the drop in the Super Bowl. That was a bad pass. The twisting. We all know the story. Mm-hmm. I just the way he has been treated by Patriots fans. Shameful. I I do. I, I find it shameful, and it's the big. It's tr- Foxborough faithful. My ass started with Wes Welker and the way you people treated him. I mean, uh, has Welker? Sorry, sorry for the uh, old man memory portion of today's program. Uh, and we wrap here. He's gotten his red jacket, correct? No. What? No. You've got to be kidding me. No. And I'm. I don't know how people. We have to write this wrong. Guys, Pats fans, anyone listening, if you've made it this far, I know we. Uh, Fifty minutes in, we're. I know we're supposed to. We should have wrapped a while ago. But like, got folks, you have to like. We got to. We got to. This has to be a thing. You have got to be. I'm sorry. I haven't sworn this entire podcast. You have to be effing shitting me that Wes Welker is not in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I believe he is. He borderline deserves to be in the NFL Hall of Fame, Gale Sayers style, for the six years he had in New England. I believe he is at least a one-time, maybe two-time finalist that reached fan voting, but I don't believe he is. uh, I'm almost certain he's not in. Wow. I'll do it. I'll do it right I'll do this right now. We talk about all these other guys. Mankins needs to be in. Will Amendola be first ballot in a couple of years? Here you go. Uh, my gosh, is well pro football hall of fame. Welker, um, in his first two years on the ballot, Welker failed to make it past the initial round of voting. This is, uh, that was in the pro pro football. That's pro football hall of fame. Uh, yeah, he's not because last, Last spring, Paul Perillo wrote um, a thing about Welker being part of the, the nomination process. But there you go. Yeah. V- Will Fork made it last fall. Okay. And it was uh, w- Vince Wilfork, Wes Welker, to the, uh, along with Malloy, Fairbang. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got it. Um, yeah. There's still a lot of people that deserve to be in there. Vrabel, Mankins, for sure. Uh, Parcells will never see the, the light of the presented by Raytheon Patriots Hall of Fame day. That's sadly. the option. Welker might win the vote if it's Parcells versus Welker. If you put that vote on the ballot, it, that he might win that vote. Otherwise, I think he's going to struggle with the the Mankins, the Vrabels, the whoever else you put him up against. I think he's going to struggle. Yeah, and he's also currently a receivers Brady's. coach in the NFL, so it might be. Yeah, gee whiz, I, you can kind of ticket and target that one for five. Yep. <laughs> oh man, like. I, wow. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just sort of leave it there. I, I, yeah, that, uh, that bears revisiting in a future date. Okay. That's, that sucks. Now you see why it has bothered me and changed the way I viewed the fuck. Wow. Now I'm mad about that. Like these are your people. No, I remember the time on the radio, we were having a random back and forth. Might've been me and Ken might've been me and Ken Laird or something. We were talking about the slot receiver position and the impact Welker had. And I said something along the lines of, Welker was the best slot receiver on the Patriots ever, maybe in NFL history. Yep. You know, Ed- Edelman was the better overall football player. And mm-hmm. I got a phone call a few days later from Edelman's dad, good old Frank, our pal, friend of show, friend of Foxborough, saying like, listen, uh, you don't know all the things that Jules had to do for the football team. You know, well, Wes was great, but Jules was the whole package. And I was like, Frank, I understand. I got it. I Believe me. Listen, you're, you're, I love you. I don't want to ever end up on the wrong side of Bubs's pops. I don't want to, I don't want to be left in the rain with one arm tied behind my back with you chucking footballs at me. Right. But like the purity of what Wes Welker did, the slot machine, like he revolutionized a position in the NFL, like something like something he did, something he touched remains forever changed in the most popular game in North America. Like that merits 
that merits bronzing that merits uh, discussing that merits being embossed forever in the minds of football fans. And it will be eventually. And I hope I so. Hope time heals all wounds kind of thing, but um, he he's going to, he's going to have his struggles based on who's ahead of him in the list. And as the list grows and changes with guys retiring uh, every day, but yeah, we should probably put right. a bow on That's it. That's it. I'm putting my Welker Jersey on later today. And I hope, uh, uh, I hope other people will try to remember him more fondly and we turn and pivot back to remembering how great he was. All right. Solid pod, Andrew, as always. We'll be back next week at Six Rings Pod at Fitzy GFY at Jumbo Hart. And of course, we'll be on Sunday if you have a chance. If you're out doing some yard work, maybe you're basking in any snow that might possibly fall. It could be on the slopes. Put the AirPods in, the Odyssey app on the phone if you get good service high atop the mountain. We'll be on 11A to 1P on Sunday as well. Back next week with a couple hot pods for your Patriots fan listening, enjoyment, and pleasures. Until then, and as always, this has been Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. For Fitzy, for Hart, for our producer Turp and beyond, good day, God bless, and as always, go Pats. See you.